You're listening to the Direction for Life podcast. We pray this episode blesses you. We'd love to connect with you. Visit us at rdci.info or on Facebook at Right Direction Church International. Also, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at the RDCI. We hope you enjoy this broadcast. Galatians 6, 1 through 4. And then, then we're going to say one of our old confessions. I realize we, we, we've been getting away from some, I got y'all confessing so much, we get away from some of my old confessions. Don't, don't, I don't want you to forget them, okay? Galatians 6, starting 1 through, well, let, let's make the confession first. Come on. Uh, uh, on, on only, only about half, half of my front row can really do this along with it, okay? We, we start this by saying, this is my Bible, but you may have to say, this is my phone. Okay, this is my iPad. Come on, say it. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I'm doing what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. When I hear God's word today, I believe it, I receive it through my ears, down into my heart, lived out through my life, so I'll never be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen. We ain't said it so long, the media said, where, where the hell at? We got a slide to say that. They didn't, hopefully y'all didn't throw it away. Okay, Galatians the sixth chapter one through four. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, or some preachers say spiritual, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. But let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. Verse 4 is where we get our subject today. Let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. You may be seated. I want to speak from that subject, prove your own work. Now, don't, don't, don't have too much of attitude when you say it, because they might, they might backslap you or something. But look at your neighbor and say, prove your own work. Prove your own work. Prove your own work. This is taken directly from Scripture. It's not a twist on words. Prove your own work. Galatians 6 and 4, from several other translations, giving us more clarity of what that means to prove your own work. NIV says each of you should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. New Living Translation says if you pay careful attention to your own work, then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. The Amplified, that verse says, you can have the personal satisfaction of doing something commendable in itself alone without resorting to boastful comparisons with his neighbor. Then the message translation of that says, make a careful exploration of who you are. Know yourself and the work you have been given and then sink yourself into that. Isn't that good? Explore your own self and know the work you've been given. Sink yourself into that and don't be impressed with yourself. 
Don't compare yourself to others. Each of you must take responsibility for doing the creative best you can with your own life. Now, we gave y'all an opportunity to dance and shout and run, and you should have taken it because this may not be the message to make you do that. Okay, you, you, you need me to let me pray a little more dance music so you can get your dance on. Because th this, this may not be a dancing message. I'm not necessarily going to close it <laughs> in a traditional uh, celebratory way. But uh, actually, I, had to, I, I was so proud of myself. My media team, some of y'all don't know, there's a whole lot that goes into all that they do. Uh, and, you know, they're trying to get everything right with graphics. And, and so somebody, they asked a question, is it possible we could get your message like a week in, a, in advance? I said, no. Don't even ask. It's not going to happen. So um, I was so proud of myself. I think like Monday, Monday I sent them a subject. I said, it's what I'm preaching on Sunday. And that's probably going to be in the future. <laughs> and that message was faith and focus. I'm going to talk about faith and focus. And then yesterday, I sent a text. I said, forget that message. I just changed it. The Lord just changed it. I said, oh, well, I'm sure they were like, wow, man, just when we thought we was on to something here. But the, but the Lord told me to mention on this. The Lord had actually given me this concept, this thought, reading the scriptures several years ago because there were different things going on, and I heard that there were, you know, people were, you know, you get, you, you get jealous or other people get jealous comparing themselves to you, people saying this and people saying that. And the Lord told me, just focus on your assignment. He said, prove your own work. And if there's one negative consequence and downside to this whole social media age with all of its uh, platforms, Facebook and YouTube and TikTok and Toptic, <laughs> whatever, whatever the platforms that, that there may be, if there's one downside to it, it's that it can lead to both comparison and jealousy. And the Bible even warns us in 2 Corinthians 10 and 12 that comparing yourselves is just not wise. It's not smart to live your life. Paul, in 2 Corinthians 10 and 12, he said, I wouldn't even dare try to uh, class ourselves with or compare ourselves with these great people who always boast about themselves. He said, but let me tell you, they can measure themselves, they measure themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. So the Bible says it's, so the opposite of wise in the scriptures is what? It's foolish. It's foolish to live your life comparing yourself, comparing your family, comparing your finances, comparing your car, comparing your looks, whatever, to someone else. When we compare ourselves to those who appear to have more than us and appear to be doing better than us, then we tend to have feelings of inferiority and inadequacy. Conversely, when we compare ourselves to those who appear to have less than us and appear not to be doing as well as, as us, now we have feelings of superiority and supremacy. And both extremes of comparison resulting in inferiority and superiority, resulting in inadequacy and supremacy are concepts and feelings that the Bible warns us against. 
Paul says in Romans, the 12th chapter, verse 3 through 5, in the same context where he talks about different gifts and all that, he says, verse 3, Romans 12 and 3, For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who's among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly. Everybody say soberly. People, people want to know why, what, what's wrong with getting high, because the Bible says we'll be sober. You can't be high and sober, okay? Think soberly. Soberly means with, with a clear mind and clear thinking. Think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. He said, think in accordance with how God has gifted you. Think in accordance with what he has given you. For as we have many members in one body, and all members don't have the same function, so we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. He said we're one body, but God has different assignments for us, different purposes for us, different uses for us, different emphasis for us. You know, which, which is why even in the body of Christ, it saddens me. It saddens me in the body of Christ how there are preachers, their whole job, their whole message, and some of y'all watch them on social media, okay? Their whole job and message is to just tear down other preachers and tear down other churches like they are the epitome of everything. And what I say is just do what God called you to do. Over there preaching about prosperity. Well, those of us who are broke and need some money, we thank God for the message of prosperity. Well, all they do is pray for folks to get healed. Well, if you're sick and a doctor don't know what to do, you want to be in a church that's going to preach about being healed. Well, all they talk about is family and children. Well, if you believe in God, you got children you're concerned about, and you came from a dysfunctional family, and you want your family to be functional, you thank God for a ministry that emphasizes family. And what I'm saying is sometimes we have different emphasis and different ministries, but we all are needed in the body of Christ. I'll never forget when I was, <laughs> when I was in college, and this memory just coming back to me, I... Um, I, I, I was part of the Student Christian Fellowship, my freshman year Student Christian Fellowship, and they were, uh, it, was, it was a couple of us African-Americans. It was mainly a group of white students who were from backgrounds like Episcopalian and um, 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 Lutheran and Presbyterian, and we used to always pray. One night, the Spirit of the Lord came into place. We were praying, and somebody got the bucket. And before you know it, I was speaking to him. And uh, one, the brother who was over it asked me, Herb, can I come to your room and talk to you? He said, um, we don't do that in our Christian fellowship. He said, um, and I don't want you to think that we're not as live as, live as you. He said, because there's some people see the hands and the feet, and they're moving all the time. He said, but we're more like the womb. He said, you don't see the womb, but there's a lot of life in there. <laughs> Never forget that. 
And so I said, listen, it's probably just best I don't come to these meetings because I don't know. I can't promise you I'm always going to be a silent praiser. And if my praise offends you, then, uh, then, then may maybe I shouldn't come. But people worship different. It doesn't mean they're any less the body, part of the body of Christ than someone else. And so Paul says that we have different emphasis, different members, different uh, uh, usage, different assignments. So in short, y'all, we were created deficient by design. My friend Tony Cook came up with that phrase in his book, In Search of Timothy. We, God created us deficient by design. In other words, God created us to not have it all together by ourselves. God created us with some deficits that's only going to be fulfilled and filled by us getting connected to somebody who has that part. Some of you don't realize it, but, uh, you know, if this, if, this big, if this strike continues to go on with the big three, okay, we're going to feel it. Because even though they may be in Detroit or Flint, Michigan, whatever, making cars, there are people in South Carolina who supply parts for those cars. And now they can't supply that little part because they don't need the part because they're not putting them on the cars. And so even though they may not manufacture the car and they may make the, make the steel, they may make a small gadget that makes that radio operate or the satellite operate. But in order for that car to work, a whole lot of people got to be doing what they need to do to make this car work. God created us deficient by design. We need each other. Now, some of us are full of pride. We have an issue with that. I don't need nobody. I don't need nobody. And then we got song, long as I got King Jesus, don't need nobody else. But don't ever call me. I'm just going to play. I'm going to put Vicky, Vicky Winer back. Long, 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 long. Long as you got King Jesus, don't need nobody else. Don't need my mother, mother, father. That, that, that sounds real good, but that's not even scriptural. We're deficient by design. We do need each other. We're created deficient by design. We need the gifts, the talents, and the abilities that God has uniquely graced us with. So our text from Galatians 6 and 4, it tells us four things between Galatians 6, 1 through 4. It says, first, the first verse, it said that we need to restore others who have faults and make mistakes. He said, you are spiritual. If you're so spiritual, stop gossiping about people and try to help them. We who are spiritual should not be gossiping about folks. There, there was somebody years, years ago in our church, and uh, they were in our leadership. And, uh, and, and there was something, you know, we, we are, we're a large church. When you're a large church, let me, uh, this is a good place to say this here, there's people at all levels in their walk with God. Amen. There's people at all levels. There are people who was at the club last night. I'm just glad you're here right now. No, it doesn't mean they're not saved, okay? They're just at a different level in their walk with God, okay? I'm, I'm, I, I mean, we, we, no, seriously, we used to have, I don't know if they still come, but one time years ago, we had a group of ladies who were strippers who would come out, come out service. They would, leave the, they would leave the strip club and come straight to church. And there were people who were saying things to them because they were dressed scantily. Thank God they had a little more on than they did when they were on the pole. (laughs) 
And people at all different levels in their walk. Well, I, I, well, I just can't believe they're in the church and they lied. You lie. I can't believe. No, no, no. The church has people who are at various stages in their walk and their development with God. We have various places. And so when you're spiritual, you don't just judge folks, you try to help folks. You try to restore people. You don't try to embarrass people, you try to restore people. Come on now. The second thing he says, Galatians 2, he said we ought to bear one another's burdens. That means help a brother out, help a sister out. And so years ago, that, that person, uh, they, something was going on, and it was something, you know, we have a large church. I, I, if I started naming the stuff that has happened over the years regarding people in this church, and I thank God that none of them have they ever been in our leadership. But things that have happened, and it was something that was on the news, this person was in leadership, and they were gossiping about the person. Everybody who watched the news knew, knew about it, but they were gossiping about the person. And I brought this person in. I said, listen, I hear you gossiping about this. No, I just called so-and-so. I said, and you called so-and-so too. Well, I just called them to see if they would pray for them. And I said, well, did you call Minister Joyce, who's over the intercessory prayer ministry? Did you call her? No, they didn't call her. They called somebody who would gossip with them. And I told this leader, I said, if, you ever, if I ever hear about you in leadership gossiping about people in this church again, I'm going to sit you down from leadership. And I looked at their face, the Lord told me, she gone. <laughs> no, 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 really, the Lord told me right there, she's not going to receive correction. Later that week, I got a text, the Lord told me my season is up <laughs> at right direction. And I said, yeah, and, and I said, yeah, the Lord already told me you were going. Because we who are spiritual, we should restore, not gossip. Because if you keep on living, there's something somebody could gossip about you. And some of y'all, they couldn't even gossip if you didn't post everything. There's this teacher on social media who says, uh, help me make sense. This young, this, and she, somebody she said, people complain about the kids. They're making all the kids have, and they're giving them clear backpacks, uh, you know, so they can, and they're not even making the kids buy it. And so she said, people say, well, kids need privacy. She said, first of all, when I grow up, my parents said, you have no privacy. She said, and obviously kids aren't concerned about privacy at all today anyway, since they post everything. If you're concerned about privacy, you wouldn't tell everybody all your business. We ought to restore we ought to bear one another's burden. Galatians 6-3 says, don't deceive yourself by thinking you're more than you are. Don't deceive yourself by thinking you have it all together. You may have a lot together, but you don't have it all together. If you had it all together, you'd be ratchet up. Because you would have apprehended that for which you've been apprehended. You no longer need to pursue God. And long we're here on earth, we need to be seeking him. Because he is a reward of them who diligently seek him. But you don't need to seek him if you got it all together. None of us have it all together. We're Thank God we ought to be better than we used to be. But none of us have it all. So don't deceive yourself into thinking you're more than you are. And of course, Paul says in Galatians 6 and 3, for a, man that thinks he, for a man who thinks he's something when he's nothing, 
you are deceiving yourself. You know why it says to deceive yourself? Because other folk know you ain't nothing. <laughs> so it says you are deceiving yourself. And then we come to the text. But let every man prove his own work. Prove his own work. NIV, test your own actions. New Living Translation, pay attention to your work, own work. Amplify, test, carefully scrutinize, examine, and test your own conduct. Message, carefully explore who you are, the work you've been given, and seek yourself into that. And then I got one other translation, the, the, the DMB translation. Those of you who don't know what the DMB translation is, that's a Dr. Marsha Bailey translation. And that translation goes like this, worry about yourself. Worry about yourself. Even Jesus had to encourage and tell his disciples uh, what we abbreviate as M-Y-O-B. What does that mean? Mind your own business. In John, the 21st chapter, verse 20 through, 20 through 22, uh, Peter, Jesus tells Peter, he said, Peter, right now you got freedom. You're able to do what you want to do. He said, but there's going to come a day they're going to take you where you don't want to go. And they're going to make you do what you don't want to do. And the Bible said he was really prophesying the death by which Peter would die. Okay? And, and then uh, after Jesus said this to Peter, John, 20, 20, John 21 and 20, Peter turned around and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved. Y'all know who this is. This is John writing about himself, right? Y'all know John had no conceit at all. He just referred to himself as the, he, as the uh, uh, disciple who Jesus loves. He had no arrogance. He just referred to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. He said, and Peter turned around and saw John, the disciple Jesus loved, following and the one who had, who, he gave all these details about himself. The one who leaned on Jesus' breast at the supper. And Peter said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you and uh, Peter seen and said to Jesus, but Lord, what about this man? What, what about him? You give him, tell me what's going to happen. What, what's going to happen to him? And look what Jesus responded. Verse 22, Jesus said to him, if I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? Follow me. Worry about yourself. Mind your business. And they even misunderstood that. Pe people thought he was saying, what? People start saying, Jesus said, John going to live forever. That's not what Jesus was saying. Jesus said, if, if I decide that he'll never die, he said, well, mind your business. Focus on yourself. The Bible tells us that, that we really got to focus on our own lives. First Thessalonians 4, 11 and 12, it tells us to study to be quiet. Boy, I, boy, I, I mean, folks go to school for all kinds of stuff, and they got, got all kinds. Somebody need a silent major. What you studying? To be quiet. I've been running my mouth all my life. I just been, I, I went to college, so I just learned to shut up. Study to be quiet. Get a PhD and mind your own business. Sometimes I say, sometimes you need to sow what I call a shut up seed. A shut up seed is when something going on with somebody else's life and you don't know all the details and somebody tried to get you to talk about it, you need to sow a shut up seed and just shut up and say nothing so you can reap a harvest of nobody talking about you. 
For with the same measure you meet, it's going to be measured back to you. Sometimes people come to me, did you hear something said? Well, why do you think something said? Yeah, I don't know the details about that. No, and I had to learn that because people used to draw me into that kind of stuff. And I recognized the older I got, the more people started spreading rumors and saying things about me. People will spread rumors and not knowing any details about anything. And sometimes you just need to shut up because you don't know the details. You may know headlines, but you don't know fine print. Years ago, when Pastor Moss was going down uh, on Sundays to our Orangeburg church, and she was preaching every Sunday, people had a rumor that we had broken up, that we, Pastor Moss and I got divorced, and we got two different churches. I got a church here in Columbia, she got one in Orangeburg. And then, then the further the rumor said that I gave her the Orangeburg church in our divorce settlement. Who wants a church in a divorce settlement? If that's what I gave her, I can show you. I got over on her. <laughs> and when, when I heard this, I'm like, where do people get this stuff from? And the truth of the matter is there, is a, there was a pastor's couple in the, in the city who had divorced and had two separate churches, but their name was not Bailey. And so sometimes you need to just be quiet. Look, look at somebody say, study to be quiet. Look, he says, and do your own business. And, and now I know we say, mind your own business, but he, it's really saying, do, do. I mean, take effort to do what you need to do with your own life. Work on your own stuff. Work on your own self. Uh, focus on your own company. Do your own business. Uh, focus on your own church. Years ago, again, years ago, we had just started out ministry, and uh, uh, Minister Joyce, she probably remembers something about this, Minister Joyce and them, they, they work with this woman who was supposed to be a prophetess. And so one of her other friends was um, also went to work with them and was a member of our church. And so the prophetess lady told her at work, you know, people don't like your first lady at your church. And they're going to be a split in your church because people don't like the first lady. Well, she was a babe in Christ. She came, she said, Pastor, I love Pastor Marsha. I don't want there to be no split in our church. And she was, she, this woman really had her all upset. We had her all upset. I said, well, why you say? She said, well, prophetess so-and-so who they work with, do they pay you to prophesy down at your job? I'm trying to figure, when you, when you got time to prophesy at work? We'll be typing, yeah, k ba 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 sa Yeah, I would say unto you in the next cubicle, thus saith the Lord. When you got pride. And so they, they really had upset. Y'all know, I'll probably handle it a little different now, but I'm, I was a little more gangster back then. I call up the pastor. I call her up. I said, I need to talk to you. I said, but I ain't going to try to talk to you. I said, bring your husband with you. They said, I said, I want to meet with you. They came down to our church. I said, listen. I said, let's, let's enter a pack. I said, you don't, you don't prophesy to my members, and I don't prophesy to your members unless we present. She said, what you talking about? What you talking about? I said, this sister, you got all upset. Then she went to lying, because I know the sister wasn't lying. She said, I ain't told her nothing. I didn't say nothing. I didn't, I, the Lord did show me some things about I said, I said, I just got one. I said, maybe you're more spiritual than me. 
I said, but it take everything from me to hear God about my own church. How you sit in church and work and hear about my church? I said, maybe you're just more spiritual than me, really. I mean, I'm trying to hear everything I can about right direction. And you at work hearing about my church? And they got upset with me. Boy, that was over 20 years ago. They ain't spoke to me since. I've seen them, and they've kind of turned their eyes and rolled their eyes at me. I'm like, I wasn't prophesying to your people. You prophesied my people. Sometimes you didn't need to focus on your own life and deal, watch this, with your, oh, this is so good. Uh, Stephen Covey, Stephen Covey, not Stephen Covey, right? Stephen Covey? Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. One of his first habits said that people who are highly effective in life focus on their sphere of influence more than their sphere of concern. Focus on your sphere of influence, not your sphere of concern. Well, your sphere of concern could be, well, I'm concerned about world hunger. But your sphere of influence may be, I need to make sure that everybody in my family and my extended family eats. You're going to be effective if you learn to focus on your sphere of influence more than your sphere of concern. You can be concerned about a lot of things that's not your assignment. And the need is not always the call. I had to learn that. Every time you see a need, that's not always the call. So he said, he said and if you would focus on your own business, do your own work, you can walk honestly towards those that are without. And here's, here's, here's the ultimate. If you would focus on your assignment, what God told you to do, look at this, the end of 1 Thessalonians 4 and 12, you will have lack of nothing. Is it possible that some of you still have lack in your life because you are not focusing on your life? Is it possible your business is not profitable because you're not focused enough on your business? Is it possible your marriage is not healthy because you're too busy worried about other people's marriages? If you have the right focus, you'll have lack of nothing. That verse, First uh, Thessalonians 4.11 from the God's Word translation says, make it your goal to live quietly, do your work, and earn your own living as we ordered you. So the result, y'all, of proving your own work is that you have a sense of pride a sense of satisfaction and rejoicing knowing that you gave it your all and did the best you could do and then you, don't, you won't have to compare yourself to others and, and feel and deal with feelings of inferiority or superiority. I'm going to focus on what God called me to do and I'm going to give it all I got. Giving it the best that I got. Baby, that was that was that was um that was Shirley Caesar. Look at your neighbor, say, give it the best you got, give it the best you got. So this message, y'all, is challenging mediocrity. I have not gotten where I got, where I have whatever I've obtained in life, it didn't happen by just being mediocre. It bothers me when I see people who are willing to settle for mediocrity. When I first moved to this city, oh, well, probably during the first five years, I went downtown to a particular furniture store. And there was this woman that happened to be an African-American woman. And she was a salesperson in the place. And she said, she said, I'm the first sales, 
I'm the first African-American salesperson they ever hired here. See, how long have you seen that? I've been here about 15, 20 years. See, I'm the first African-American they ever hired. I said, you the manager? You part owner? Don't y'all get mad at me. I said, that, that's your testimony? Don't get mad at me, y'all. That's your testimony? That you were the first one? What have you done with it now? The door opened, you went in, but you're still here. You're still at the same place where the door opened up. Oh, y'all don't, don't like me now. And sometimes, sometimes the stuff we are boasting about, we're boasting from a place of mediocrity. And God brought you into the room to master the room. Ooh, I'm going with you. God brought you into the room to take over the room. God brought you in the room to change some seating in the room. Not just say, I'm in the room. If you love our podcast and the impartation you gain from it, we encourage you to become an iChurch member. As an iChurch member, you'll get access to exclusive digital content as well as an online community and various small group sessions. To find out more, visit rdci.info forward slash iChurch. Connect with us for digital impartation weekly. Join Bishop Herbert and Dr. Marsha Bailey on Clubhouse for Marriage, Faith, and Family Inside Kingdom Business Network on Tuesdays at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash rdcitv. We stream live services on Sundays at 7.30 a.m. and 9.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, as well as Wednesday at 12 noon and 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Ladies, join us for Manifest on Fridays at 12 noon Eastern Standard Time.